Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of Imperfectly Perfect Podcast, and I'm excited because we've got more fellow Brits coming on. Another northerner, except when you hear her speak, she's got slightly a posh twang to it, so uh, <laughs> like I do, I run through a bio, guys, so this person is amazing. Suzanne Shaw's big break came in 2001, won a place in the newly formed pop band Hearsay. The group's debut single was the fastest selling non-charitable record in the UK chart history, selling over 1.3 million copies. They went on to have two number one records and four top 10 hits. They had their own Saturday night TV show, Hearsay. It's Saturday, performed at the Royal Variety Show with Elton John, headlined their own UK tour. When they split in 2003, Suzanne carved a successful career in musical theatre, plays and television. Her numerous theatre credits include Roxy Hart in the West End production in Chicago, Bobby in the remake of Summer Holiday, narrator in Joseph and their amazing technical dream coat. Wow, you've had an amazing career. Judy and the White Christmas, national tour of... Vagina monologues. Um, pantomimes include title roles in Snow White, Cinderella, Fairy Godmother in Cinderella, and Alice in Dick Whittington. Screen credits include guest starring in the Bill Torre in online TV series Five Side and a series regular Eve Jensen in ITV's Emmerdale. In 2008, Suzanne won three, well, series three of IT's ITV hit show Dancing on Ice. Due to a success on the show, she completed in the ninth and final series All Stars Dancing on Ice. Suzanne also competed in three national arena tours of the show. She has been a regular panelist on Loose Women. Bingo Lotto, and part of the regular This Morning competition. Now, I'm excited to go a little bit deeper because we are going to be speaking about this more of. So at the start of 2020, Suzanne spoke openly about a battle with mental health and that by making some big lifestyle changes, it helped reduce her depression and anxiety. From an overwhelming response from her followers on the media, this has led Suzanne documenting her journey further and creating the Sure Happy Plan on her Instagram account to help people improve their mental and physical health. With her community growing within the wellness sector, Suzanne is now preparing to launch an online health club, the Happy Health Club, a place for people to improve their lifestyles to live a happier and healthier life. Wow, what a bio. You know when, I always say, you know when you hear it going back, do you think, wow. I do, I also feel really bad that I should have broke it down a lot not easier for you because I literally just put any credit I've ever done in there. Um, no, it's, it's crazy. And you know, one thing that I've learned recently is the ability to pause and look how far I've come. And that is something I've until now take it for, taken for granted until, you know, when, when you get it read back at you, you go, no, I have done a lot. And I, I you know, it is amazing what I've achieved. But it's so incredible how yourself, you kind of play that down and you forget what you've, uh, how far you've come and what you've done. So no. So thank you for reading it all out. That's made my day. <laughs> you know what though? It's, it, it, it's kind of one of those things. And like I said at the beginning, 
you're a northerner, you've got a slight twang, posh accent, so you can tell that you're well, well adversed and traveled. But do you find that if we take it back and remove it, because I like to ask about the person behind the profession, so we'll get into your amazing career, but do you find that was something maybe you weren't used to being told great things about yourself? Because I know for me personally, if someone said something to me, a compliment, I often deflected it until I was told, you know what, somebody's taking it out of the time to say that, accept it. Yeah which I learned yeah. about yourself. No, I'm with you on that. It's taken me years and I would say only within the last, I would definitely say in this last year, I've been able to accept it. I have not been able to accept a compliment or a credit for what I've achieved ever in my life. And it has probably stopped me from pursuing bigger things along the way almost because I've been too scared to accept that um, I have achieved some amazing things. Um, I, it's almost like it's, um, I can't handle people saying good things to me. I don't know where it comes from. Maybe I just need to look at my childhood trauma a little bit, but I don't understand why, like I do find it overwhelming if anybody compliments me, I find it really tough. Mm -hmm. I find it really hard to take on and go, thank you. It's really bizarre. <laughs> but in reality, now I'm learning to do that. I'm now learning to be proud of what I've achieved without feeling like I'm being vain or, or vulgar about it. I don't, I don't think it's bizarre at all. I totally get it. And nine out of 10 times, people on this campaign, all the podcasts have said exactly the same thing. I think it's yeah. that something. We obviously suppress those emotions. So I think we all have to look at that inner child sometimes. Yeah, I, I tell you what I used to do. And I, I, I always try and advise my son because I see he does, he has the same trait, but to prevent bullying going on at school. Cause I used to, I, I became, I started my professional career when I was nine years old. So I would have a lot of time off school to go and do theater jobs or TV work. And then obviously people would know in my school that I was doing that and they'd see me on TV. And um, so to prevent having any form of bullying I would be self-deprecating and take the mickey out of myself a lot and put myself down constantly to avoid getting the kick shit out of me in the, in the school toilets. I really would. I remember being face to face with a few girls who were literally questioning me who the hell do I think I am because I was on TV and I I must have done this big monologue on how crap a person I was and that actually, you know, I can't believe I got this part, you know, because I'm no good and, oh my God, this is awful what I'm doing, you know, it's actually quite laughable, but, you know, I've just got to go along with it because my mum said that I should. And I'd put myself down so much to prevent getting punched in the school toilets. And I remember that being the moment where that's how I survived school, was to put myself down. And my mum and dad wanted to transfer me to a stage school so I could be with like-minded people within that same environment. Probably wouldn't have been any different. It probably, it probably would have been worse if you had done better in those environments. But I didn't want to leave my family home. I didn't want to move to London. I was too scared. I was actually quite a sensitive and I still am quite a sensitive person. So um, now I just kind of stuck with it. And I think that's when it started to be where I would put myself down and be self-deprecating and take the mickey out of myself, which then allows other people around you to feel that that's okay to do. But then it becomes overwhelming and it gets to me mm -hmm. um, and it upsets me. 
Um, so yeah, isn't it, isn't it mad? God, this is one therapy session, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll tell you something. I've been taught, I've got an innate ability to make people cry and open up. So. <laughs> oh my God. Well then, yeah. Yeah. You're touching on something there. <laughs> I think, it, you know what though, it's like when you share these stories and you break it down, cause my next question was going to be, who is Suzanne Shaw behind the amazing profession that we know you of? And I just want to dis yeah. like, disconnect the notion of there's what we see as a persona on TV and everything and a career, but people often don't see that person behind it. So tell us a little bit more. I know you touched on it, but I mean, yeah. About you. Well, I'm originally Suzanne Crowshaw. So, but I got called Crowy at school. That was a nickname and I hated it. And my brother's nickname's Crowy with all his mates. Um, and obviously Suzanne Crowshaw isn't very kind of, it's not a very sexy stage name, is it? It doesn't, it doesn't work well for the media. So I dropped the crow and that's when I became Suzanne Shaw. So Suzanne Crowshaw, I suppose, is um, I'm a very sensitive person, very aware of things around me. Without sounding hippie-like, I'm very spiritual. I'm, I vibe off energies. Um, and I just, I'm a really down-to-earth, normal person. I don't like showing off. Um, I like, I am proud of what I've achieved and I like people to know what I've done and where I've come from. But at the same time, I don't like to, to be overly talkative about it. Like I said, you know, I'll, I'll, if I do give a little bit that I was in a pop band, I will put it down at the same time. I can never kind of just be proud of that. So I suppose I'm just really down to earth, very girl who, um, love loves 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 her job and um but also i love family time i sometimes like my my own security and my familiar surroundings are a safe place so stepping out of those comfort zones of take it's taken me years to get comfortable with that um I suppose i do it but i don't always feel comfortable doing it because my job makes me come out of my comfort zones and travel and live in different places um, it doesn't mean that I actually enjoy that part because actually essentially my favorite thing to do is sit in the living room with a big comfort food and takeaways and, and watch movies with my family and know that's our safe space so right. that's me really <laughs> so, so what do you say then and the reason I ask it because it sounds very similar to a lot of people that I've, I've, I've spoken to is everybody would think as a profession in the public eye there's a sense of um, being extrovert. Doesn't sound yeah. like that with yourself. More introverted, no, it, enjoy that time or? Yeah, I am extrovert. I am, I can be. I do like to um, perform. And I think it's just because I've performed since being three years old. I've literally been competing in dance competitions since I was three. Um, and so I know how to switch it on because it's become something of my makeup and something that I do. Um, but I'm also quite a, I, I just think I, I, I'm quite a, oh, I wouldn't say shy because I'm definitely not shy. <laughs> I would just say I'm just sensitive. I'm a sensitive person. So um, with that, it brings kind of wanting to be behind closed doors a lot of the time. Um, but within a situation I am quite confident I can speak my mind and I can 
you know, perform and put a smile on my face when I'm dying inside, I can switch it on because I've done it since I was three years old. Wow. Well, I picked up on something you're saying there. So everything that I've done, uh, you mentioned it. Uh, some people might think it's hippie, but uh, my spiritual journey along this, um, we'll have a talk afterwards, mate. We'll not leave this part. Yeah. Probably talk for a couple of hours on that one. Like, yes, yes, oh. yeah. But 2001 came around and so did Hearsay and then everything blew up even more for you. How did you navigate that kind of sensitive side when all of a sudden press, publicity, journaly, everything yeah. on top of you? Um, I think it was by really burying deep the sensitive feelings. I, I went numb, I had to shut that side off because I wouldn't survive. It was a really tough time. It was a dream come true, but it was e is it equal measure as a nightmare. It was, it was fascinating. Looking back now, I would be a psychologist's dream to get into my headspace when that all happened. You know, I was thrown to fame. When you're little and you, you do all these wonderful things, when you're singing, you're dancing, you're acting, and that is your ambition and passion and you can't do anything. I would never want to do anything else but that because I loved doing it so much. Um, it was it came with the, the whole fact, if you do that and you do it at a successful level, you are automatically famous. So of course, when people say, what would you wanna be when you're older? You would say, I want to be a famous singer. I want to be a famous actor, a famous dancer, because the famous bit is meaning that it's a level of success. So it's getting to the best of your ability. Because mm. if you're the best actor, you're going to be known because you're gonna be all over the screens. If you're a best singer, you're gonna be known. So, but, what I confused fame with was doing what I loved doing to the best of my ability. That is what the fame part was for me, not to be talked about in the press because of who I, my boyfriends were, um, you know, what my family life was, what my mum and dad was like, what kind of background I came from. And so when I, that was together, of course, I knew the reality that that was going to happen going into the band but I was still young I was still 19 so really like my brain wasn't completely developed in a into the the big bad world of what survival is and what reality of a job is um and so going into that and suddenly it wasn't about oh isn't she an amazing singer isn't she a brilliant dancer doesn't she look great when she acts and isn't she great at what she does none of that was ever said it was never said it was never what never once said and it was all about who i my boyfriends were um who you know my upbringing you know what happened on a night out once um you know friends selling stories on me and suddenly it be that became the reality of the job that was all hearsay really was about yeah we had a hit single and it was fantastic and it was amazing and that was the song but really, when we were talked about individually, it wasn't about the songs, it was about our personal lives. So suddenly I went into a world where if the articles were being sold or written, untruths were being written. And I didn't, we didn't have social media to give our own platforms to, to set it right to our own followers, our own fans to say, hey, this is the reality of the story. It mm. was out there. There was no other means of saying to everybody um, it's not true or this is the version of the story because that version is completely the wrong way around so you're walking down the street 
it's feeling like it's probably bigger than it is and more people have read it than it has and it's just pure public humiliation and then there's a fraction of the job where you get up and you do this tour we did an amazing tour which I loved every single part of it and that was the job but I would say a good 80% of the job was was not what I actually wanted to buy into but yeah I just remember being so frightened to go shopping or go to a restaurant because you know a, a press article would have been out that week or that weekend and I just didn't want people whispering and gossiping about me um you know reminding me what had been said and, and them knowing one version of it and not the actual right version a lot of the time so yeah it was it was it was a tough old time um and I am grateful for the opportunity I am um but I also think that well it would be just even even to a certain extent of of how um, we work now as a society and how TV and how the media works. Now it is illegal what they did. Now it is, we have seen that you have to have self-care in place. You have to have some kind of compassion and you also can't phone hack and you can't write untruths without getting a second version of the story. So now it is illegal what they did, but you know, a lot of the damage has been done and you're left to pick up the pieces. And when you have finished as, a, as an artist um, in the media, in the, you know, you, you, your record dealers, you know, we decided to split, but it's all come to an end. There was nobody, no management, no record label, no assistant, no, no one to pick up the phone to you to say, are you okay? That was it, you've done, they're on to the next. And you're left to go, what next for my life? But I still can't go out the house because they're still writing untruths about me and making this whole thing um, a circus for my life. And it's my life and it's being ruined. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot to take on board. And that's why I say to my son, I say to him, you sure you want to be an actor? Are you sure you want any level of that? Are you sure? Um, but yeah, it, it does. It, it is... Um, it's a tough old game. You've got to have thick skin. And I probably should give myself more credit because I probably have thicker skin than I thought, but you know, I am still very sensitive to it all. Um, God, that was a long answer. Sorry about that. Oh, it was a good answer because person that we both know, Michelle, um, you know how I came across Michelle and we reached out and got talking was because from an Instagram post, she actually stuck up from stuck up for an actress that used to be on a show and had been featured by a photojournalist who was working in retail in a shop. And there was this big article on like, oh, look at so-and-so now. And I think Michelle had said something to stick up and gone, my God, she's got, she's got kids. She's got mortgage. Like, when is this going to stop? Kind of, And I reached yeah. out and I said, it, it does need to stop because like, what are you supposed to do? You've every, everybody's human. You've got to pay bills. You've got kids. And it's like, Hey, like, because I know when I jumped on construction, when I was doing all this, I was talking to a couple of people and I was like, Hey, do you know how much I'm earning doing this construction job? You, yeah. you should come and do it. And like the yeah. lollipop, what they're doing. And some of them even said, attesting to what they thought would be written about them. Oh, we can't do that because if it comes out in press that we stood there and we're on construction. And I was like, what have we come to? Yeah. 
Like that people it, like it has it has come to that, but unfortunately, I keep I've said this a few times now. Unfortunately, we have to change as people. Mm. It's not it's not the media. No. The media are like any company. It's like fast food. McDonald's is not going to stop making fast food because it's in high demand. People have got to eat differently to get better and get healthier. Yeah. But if it's still there and people and there's still a demand for it, it's the people who have got to change. So if the if people are still wanting the gossip, who still want to laugh and point and make them their lives feel better, then they're still going to do it. Mm. But I just don't think we can change as humans because it is part, we all do it. We all have a gossip. We all judge, you know, because it's a sense of making us feel better and keeps us going and doesn't make us feel insignificant. It's what we do as humans. I mean, there is a certain responsibility they have and laws have got to change. Um, but you know what? The papers are going to take the mickey as long as we want to take the mickey with them. Very true. Human behaviour. We certainly yeah. can do some incredible stuff, but we certainly need to change it ourselves as well. So, yeah. but through everything you've been through um, and moving forward, like now you've come on the other side and you're, you're creating this incredible movement and you've started running where we, we connected on this clubhouse at talking about it. And I gave you my little rundown that I'd only ever done like a, what, five or 10 K because I was chasing a supermodel. Um, tell us about your movement. Yeah, no, I, um, well in 2000, uh, 2000, 2020, um, I kind of, I hit my rock bottom, um, with my mental health, but I knew that, the only way to help me make it better was to change my um, my lifestyle. It was I, I wasn't treating my body, my mind very well with what I was putting inside me, and I knew that I could only help combat a lot of the demons and better my health by changing that. So in 2020, I decided to uh, take this challenge on called One Year No Beer. So I took on the challenge. I thought I'm not going to drink uh, for a year. But I think in the back of mind, it was my way of quitting drinking. Um, and also uh, go on a plant-based diet, I up, took up running. And um, yeah, I made these big changes. And from changing my life and really owning it, not just kind of dipping in and out and going, I'm going to go for this diet this time, or I'm going to try out that. I wanted to just completely own it and change it completely. Um, and the catalyst being the quit drinking, because that helped me then eat better and motivate myself and so yeah I, I went on this crazy journey I wanted to do 20 challenges because I've been in the industry for 20 years professionally and it was 2020 but I couldn't do the 20 challenges because obviously Covid hit it was my little get out of jail free card in March I was thinking <laughs> oh you do I really want to go sober for all of this do I really want to uh, be on a plant-based diet? Um, but no, I, I actually did because I just knew I had to. So I continued it. And then I had my Instagram account and I just thought all I've done is, like everybody does, we're all guilty of it, post that I have probably a better life than I have. Um, post about my job. Um, I don't have a job anymore. I want to be real and I want to be authentic and I want to be honest to my audience so I either just get rid of online social media 
and have that as part of my wellness journey as well. Or I document what I'm doing it and do it for the, a positive way. So I've got my social media. I unfollowed so many people who were bad for me. And I followed so many people who inspire me, who I wanted to be like as well, um, to help me on my journey. And then I vowed to myself that I would only post honest, accountable things, you know, and talk about my journey and help inspire others. Of course, there's occasional pictures on there that I post with nice lighting because I want to feel good too. And, you know, that's, I suppose, inspiring other people to kind of push themselves to feel a bit better and, you know, for me, it was all about doing it for my mental health. And then because of that, I have lost a little bit of weight and I do feel better in my own skin. So, um, yeah, I just, I thought I'm going to document everything. So we did. And that started with me really being honest about my mental health struggles, really talking candidly, not attaching it just to postnatal depression, talking about having it from ha before having kids, the fact that I've been on medication for 19 years on and off and um, that I've gone to some very, very dark places where I've had very dark thoughts. And so I talked about that, but I also said, but what I'm gonna do is turn this into a positive and I've changed my lifestyle and I'm feeling so much better already. And then I continued to be honest and open. It got an amazing response. Um, lots of people in contact asking me help to help them quit drinking as well, which then I, became an ambassador for one year, no beer and directed them that way because there's so many amazing therapists on, on there that help people. Um, but also, you know, people who are runners like me or have lost their motivation or just want to live a better life. And because of that, I set up the Sure Happy Plan and I simply get an amazing group of experts on to do some live workouts with me, some experts in, um, psychotherapists who talk about anxiety, health anxiety, depression, who can really articulate it right and help other people. And I just basically decided to be a host to bring these amazing experts on whilst talking about my own journey from my point of view, from the general public's point of view of, of you know, this is what I wanted to change, this is how I've done it, and these are the people that I love and trust and, and think are amazing to take on this journey with me. So, um, so with that, I started the, the Sure Happy Plan. I do the live workouts. And because of that response, I've now decided to launch an online health club called the Happy Health Club, which will basically be an extension to everything that I'm doing on my Instagram account. So yeah, that has been like this new revelation and new journey that I've been through, something that I just really get in fire in my belly again. I'm really enjoying it. Can you, um, announce, can you announce though what what you're going to be doing? What you announced the other day? Is it is it public? Oh yeah, no, it is. Yeah, no, and with all of this as well, it's still for me. I want to push myself with challenges. I want to push myself because I want more self discovery, and because of that, and because I'm so massively passionate about mental health, and I want to raise awareness in suicide and the rates of which you know, it's going at the moment. Um, I've decided to take on a 19 hour run for the 19 people who take their own lives every day in the UK. So I'm doing this 19 hour run. And part of that is again to, uh, well, I just wanted to do something big because if you don't do something big, you can't make enough noise. And that's why it had to be, you know, a big old ultra, ultra marathon. <laughs> I've not even done a marathon, Glenn. <laughs> this is what I'm calling my first marathon. Yeah. 
But it just goes to show you, though, like your heart's in such a great place, and look what you're doing. You're doing 19 for a, for a cause and a reason, and yeah, it can save a life if it can bring that conversation yeah. to light. And I was just going to bring it back to you quickly on going. Did you find that, like a lot of people, when I went through mine as well, we try and hold it in for anybody or any listeners, obviously listening to this. When you, when I ask everybody this, when you finally opened up and shared what you was going through, did it feel like a load off your shoulders? Because we're trying to get more people to share it. Yeah. And it's, it's, we think it's a big step. We, yeah. And, and do you know why? And the reason I will say it's so important to share because it becomes less of a monster. It grows inside you. It grows in your head. And that monster and that demon that I described that, is telling me to do all these terrible things to myself and telling me that I'm useless and worthless and why am I existing? <clears throat> the moment you start vocalizing that, the weaker the monster gets because you become more powerful by saying, I'm completely in control of this. I'm telling people how I'm feeling. I'm articulating it. I'm saying it. I'm speaking to um, my loved ones. <clears throat> I'm announcing it on a platform. I'm getting other people to open up. I'm getting people to weaken that monster inside them. <clears throat> Sorry, I need to clear my throat. Hmm. <clears> throat> um, yeah, so it's so incredibly important because that's what it did for me. It helped me understand that by verbalizing how I was feeling was like taking, coming out of the drowning feeling, the water and taking a new fresh of breath air and feeling relieved. And um, like I said, this little monster has been getting smaller and smaller and insignificant as well. So when he does start, and I call it he, and I don't know why it's a him, no idea why it is. But when he comes and starts talking me down, and he's generally in the shower every single morning, he starts trying to his best to chip in to my thoughts, is that now I can handle it. I can, I can handle those, that negative mind chatter. Um, and I can put it you know, to one side and get on with my day. Um, but yeah, and that's by through the power of talking and that's what it's done. Um, and learning obviously lots of amazing tools and tricks and things that I've learned along the way, listening to some inspirational people, reading books, having helped myself. Um, and, and like a friend of mine, she, she struggled so badly with anxiety that she became an anxiety expert and psychotherapist to learn about it to stop her from having that. And I'm, it's the same as me, you know, I'm learning, I'm doing as many courses as I can about mental health to, to help me understand why I, I, I've had the, uh, the demons myself. So yeah, it's, it's educating yourself, learning about it, becoming friends with your mental health. Yeah. Owning it. Well, you even put into my head the other day, and I was thinking about it when I went off your clubhouse room. It was like, yeah. A girl or a boy that used to be your thoughts, and I really couldn't think. So it was such a great question, but I think we do. We tell ourselves so much, and you, you you do go in this rabbit hole of then wanting to educate yourself. I know I went and got a diploma in mental health. I don't give advice out. I always pass it on to trained professionals. But I was like, if I want to be representing or talking about in a general and passing it on. And the stuff that you learn, it's more fascinating than everything else. And one of the big things was like, treat those thoughts like a roommate. Yeah. I literally tell it to go yeah. away. 
Like, because yeah. we wouldn't speak to our child or we wouldn't speak to someone else the way that we speak to ourselves. So, yeah. but I do rec recommend, obviously, seeking the proper guidance and professional help. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's so... Well, I've got two more questions for you. Yeah. With the campaign being called Imperfectly Perfect, I ask everybody yeah. else, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Um, being honest, being an honest person, I think, you know, and I still do, I still try and be, you know, something I'm not, if I'm around a certain environment or if I'm speaking to certain people, because I feel I'm such, I'm so terrible at wanting people to like me. But the minute I'm honest, that is it's me, it's my raw, that's who I am. I have my flaws, I have my faults, I can't know everything, I can't be able to do everything. But at the same time, I now, you know, give myself the credit where credit is due. So it's being honest is imperfectly perfect. Honest, you know, and that's like, even, even honest about how I wear clothes is, is be a part of my honesty as well. It's not trying to be something I'm not, you know, being able to be comfortable with what I put on. Um, yeah, that, that's my version of it, honest. And well, I've just thought of another question because of that, because you said, have you found like you've had this incredible career, you've done so many TV shows and a lot of the time it has been about what you look like, aesthetic based on camera yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Have you found, and the reason I say it is I got told once and I've mentioned it on the campaign a lot, people listening going, oh, he's on about it again. But I was once told we all work on vibrational frequencies and the quickest way to raise that vibration is to step into your truth. Have you found that since you were comfortable in wearing whatever clothes and however you felt, you attracted your tribe, you attracted your people? Yeah, definitely. I have come into a different level of self. I really have, you know, I, I now attract people who, I, I, just, I just find it, it's, it's really been quite a fascinating journey because I just feel comfortable around the people that I'm attracting now because they're very like-minded mm. uh, or they're just desperate to make some changes as well and, and wanting to get it's, it's just been quite fascinating I think what somebody said to me a long time ago and I didn't quite understand it if it's meant to be the doors will open easily all the doors are opening very easily right now and it's because I'm being my authentic self because I'm knocking on the right doors because the doors open for me because it's meant, to, it's where I'm meant to be. Um, whereas before when I've tried to do something that isn't me, that it's just been such an uphill battle. Yeah. <laughs> but, now, but now it just, it's, and I, and I surrender to it as well. It's been a wonderful moment of, and maybe this is due to the pandemic and it probably is, but surrendering to the control. I used to try and control everything because I was so scared of life, scared of what it will throw my way. But now just surrendering to it and happily running around in the dark is taking me in the right direction of where I'm meant to be. And it's wonderful. It's been, a, it's just a wonderful journey. Uh, see, I probably know now when we talk about the, the, uh, the kind of the spirituality stuff, it's, um, you're on that place now. It's, yeah. It is. It's your truth and it's surrendering. Yeah. And like sometimes as hard as it is, you just have to like, sometimes I've been on uphill because it hasn't been along my truth. Yeah. 
And I think when we fall into it, certain people are brought to us and that's how yeah. doors open. So I agree. So, here's, here's an example of it. Sorry, just to jump in there. Here's no. a, a real example of it. The first time I did Dancing on Ice, I was the underdog. I, I wasn't the best at the game. Mm. There was somebody always better than me who I had to... But I enjoyed that process more because I didn't expect to win. I was just enjoying it. I was allowing it to happen. And I was, as much as I was nervous each week and I was really trying my best, I allowed the process to happen and I won it. And I, and I really, on paper, I was not meant to win it. Chris Fountain was meant to win that year because he was really good and was getting the scores. But on the actual night, the stars didn't align for him. He fell, he took tumbles. He wasn't performing as well because he was trying to control the outcome. Whereas I just thought, well, I'm in the final. I wanted to get to this point, really loving it. I've enjoyed the process. Let's just go out with a bang. And that's what happened. The second time I went into Dancing on Ice, because I'd won the show, I was expected to be one of the best at my game. Yet I was up against all these people who were better or equally as good. Mm. But I wanted to control that situation. I was negative. I was angry. I thought there was a conspiracy theory. I thought it was political. You know, the reason I was getting scored wasn't the right reason. I should have had a better score. And it was a really angry journey. And I didn't enjoy it. And I went out fairly early. And it was so unjust. And I thought, why did I go back to something I really, really loved? But it's not the older I got that those two experiences, one, the stars aligned because they allowed them to align. And the other, I tried to control it and therefore did myself probably a lot of health internal damage because <laughs> I was riddled with anger and wanted to control it. And those two experiences couldn't speak more volume to me. So now I try to always do the first round of Dancing on Ice, everything that I do. And if it's not meant to be, it's because it's not meant to be. If that door is not unlocking, it's because it's not meant to unlock. And that's the way like, I'm finding things at the moment. Absolutely. Everything that you're saying is just resonating with me. Every, everything. And it's even you're coming back to that joyful moment. We've got to find that inner child back. Yeah. Definitely. Losing ability as we grow up. And as soon as we get it, things start flowing. We surrender. We step into our truth and that inner child. Yeah. And you win yeah, it. You flourish. You flourish. Uh, things attract amazing. to you, you know, it, because your good energy attracts good things. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I know you've got your family there. So just last question. Um, yeah. yeah, it's your day over there. So what is next? I know we've just heard about your movement and anything, but um, yeah, what's, what's any projects in the pipeline or anything? Where can people find information about you? Well, currently you can go to my Instagram, which is Susie underscore Shaw. That's my place of preferred social media. I also am on Clubhouse. So if you're on Clubhouse, I run a room. Um, at 9am on Saturday mornings um, but really um, yeah find me on my Instagram I'm going to be launching my website on there and I announce pretty much everything on there first so Instagram is the place which is S-U-Z-I underscore sure um, yeah that's that's where you can find me and also as well my go give my just giving pages on there because I'm raising I didn't say this before I'm raising money for the Samaritans um, for this challenge that I'm doing Sweet. Well, guys, I'll put all the links up on where you can find Suzanne and the links to so they can make donations, contributions. Just thank send me all those links as well. We can put that on there. But uh, on behalf of me, on behalf of the campaign, thank you very much for everything that you do and your advocacy towards mental health as well. Thank you. Cheers, man.
You're welcome. And guys, just remember, keep having those hard conversations because it's those hard conversations that can keep saving lives. Until next time, make sure you head to Spotify or High Heart Radio where you can subscribe, like, and share. And um, keep listening, guys. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number. 